As we begin this morning, please join me in the preparatory prayer. God of all time, as we prepare to worship you today and this week, help us to call to mind these past events in Jesus' life so that we can see, we can sense their significance for our present lives and for the future you are calling us to live. Amen. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body. The peace of Christ be with you. On this beautiful, sunny Palm Sunday morning, our help is in the name of the Lord, creator of heaven and earth. Grace to you and peace from God, our creator and the Lord Jesus Christ. As we are called into worship today, it is sobering to remember that when God appeared on earth in the person of Jesus, most of the world did not recognize him, and therefore did not worship him. Today we ask for faith that will open our eyes to see Jesus for who he is, that we might worship him in truth. People of God, behold and see your God. Join me in your bulletin for the prayer of confession. As we come into God's presence, we take our place as men and women who are tainted by sin and need the forgiveness and cleansing of Jesus Christ. O Lord, who on this day entered the rebellious city that later rejected you, we confess that our wills are as rebellious as Jerusalem's, that our faith is often more show than substance, that our hearts are in need of cleansing. Have mercy on us, Son of David, Savior of our lives. Help us to lay at your feet all that we have and all that we are, trusting you to forgive what is sinful, to heal what is broken, to welcome our praises, and to receive us as your own. Holy God, holy and mighty, holy immortal one, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us, Lamb of God. O Christ, have mercy upon us, grant us your peace. Hear this good news. Jesus said, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. With these words we know, therefore, in Christ we stand forgiven. Thanks be to God. Hear what the prophet says. He has told you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, and to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. And so, let us live. As we come to the reading of God's word, let us pray. Lift up your hearts. Let us lift them to the Lord our God. Eternal God, whose word silences the shouts of the mighty, quiet within us every voice but your own. Speak to us through the suffering and death of Jesus Christ, that by the power of your Holy Spirit we may receive grace to show Christ's love in lives given to your service. Amen. The scripture lesson for this morning is taken from Psalm 118, words of thanksgiving for deliverance. Hear now the word of God. Let Israel say, his steadfast love endures forever. Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. 
This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we beseech you, O Lord. O Lord, we beseech you, give us success. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has given us light. Bind the festal procession with branches up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will extol you. O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his steadfast love endures forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to you. The President of the United States of America arrives at the World Summit, sponsored by the United Nations. And when he arrives, he comes with no entourage and drives up in a bright yellow VW bug. What's wrong with that picture? Hmm? The color yellow? <laughs> yes, probably. What did you expect? Ah, black limousine with lots of entourage before and after? No? Yeah, and maybe the sound of the, uh, uh, the presidential uh, song that is always played before he approaches. All those pomp and circumstance go with power and authority. Power and authority have their place in the world in which we live. You can wield a lot of power and authority. If I wear my collar, my clergy collar, and I go to a hospital and I say, I want to go up the back stairs instead of going up the front stairs, the nuns will let me through without ever questioning a step I take, or the nurses, or any of the other staff. When I go to the uh, security guard guiding us down Mine Street and Stone Street this morning, and I wield my title as reverend and as pastor of Second Reformed Church, yes, sir, yes, sir, was his response. Power and authority have their place in the world in which we live. But this Jesus of Nazareth does not arrive in Jerusalem the way he's supposed to. There's something wrong with this picture. He comes into the city on the colt of a donkey, the foal of a donkey, that has never been ridden before. The disciples have thrown their cloaks on that donkey for him to ride because there's no saddle. There is no entourage except children singing Hosanna and crowd shouting. What's wrong with this picture? In that moment, at that time, Jesus was a tremendous miracle worker. He had done great things, and people had heard all the stories. Jerusalem was not an easy city. Even in this celebration, we see the Pharisees suggesting that he should call it off, or at least tone it down. What is it about this king who comes to Jerusalem? A city that, for this moment, at this time, sings his praises and 
lays down their palms of victory as though he is the great miracle worker that he has been for the past three years. But this Jesus understands something that the crowds do not. This Jesus teaches us something that the world in which we live does not understand. For the past, easily past 1,700 years, we have lived in a world as Americans, as people in the Western civilization that we have been brought up in, in a world that has been dominated by the church. We had a word for it. It's called Christendom. And that Christendom has begun to crumble. The power and authority that was vested in the church does not pull as much weight as it once did. The voice of the Pope on any issue does not carry much weight in the halls of a Congress or a Parliament or the streets of a war-torn country. The Christendom that you and I grew up in and know and have read about is changing rapidly. And the world into which we live and our children live is a world where power and authority will be wielded on the backs of donkeys, not from pinarets and the towers of the Vatican or the pulpits of the great churches throughout the world. You see, the kingdom that Jesus Christ brings to us is a kingdom that is upside down. It doesn't fit the way we think. It does not look the way we think it ought to look. Just recently, an article was published about the huge megachurch movement in the United States. And those megachurches are beginning one by one to fall apart go into bankruptcy. Properties are being lost. Churches are being dissolved. Why, even in the Reformed Church, we had our own crystal cathedral enter into bankruptcy just these past two years. One of the largest congregations in the denomination. What does that mean? What does that signify? What is that telling us? That this kingdom of God, this kingdom that Jesus is the king of has nothing to do with pomp and circumstance. It has nothing to do with large crowds and big numbers. It has nothing to do with important people. Why, this kingdom is one in which children are the main singers. And the dirty cloaks of fishermen and plain, ordinary people make the way for this king. Imagine it, if you will. Imagine a king who comes into his city from which he will govern the world in the minds of the people. He will be the Messiah, the son of the living God. He will reign as his king David, his father, did, and he will bring justice and glory back to Israel. 
And he will do it as humbly as a carpenter on a donkey walking through the gates of Jerusalem, the city of the great king. What does that mean for us? What does that mean for us as a congregation? What does that mean for us as people of the 21st century? It means that our king has given to us in the very day of his glory, in the very moment when we are supposed to be celebrating this magnificent, powerful, miracle-working man among us who God has given as our Redeemer and our Lord, comes to us in humility, in poverty. I'm going to give you an image that I'd like you to live with for a week. Imagine, if you will, the son of the living God being a street person. Nowhere to lay his head. No place to call home. No wife and children to support. Unemployed for the past three years. Imagine, imagine what that must have been like. And then allow that to sink in. To sink into our hearts and our lives so that we can, out of gratitude, say, Lord Jesus, if you can be that humble, if you can be that much humiliated so that you can serve us in giving your life to redeem us, How much more, how much more can I give my own life and my own resources, my own ego, my own power and authority? How much more can I be a servant of this king who comes on a donkey? Last, e- or last evening, actually 2 o'clock this morning, I got a telephone call and was told that my second granddaughter came into the world, screaming her little head off. Born healthy, mother's fine. My son-in-law got on the phone and said, Dad, watching my little girl be born... I couldn't help but remember how God is so good to come to us as a human being. How good it is to see a young life come into this world and know that it will make a difference. And he said, you know, Dad, it's Palm Sunday. I said, I know, son, I have to preach tomorrow. It's 2 o'clock. What else do you have to say? He said, I want you to tell them to remember that my daughter and all the other children who praised Jesus that day are the people who will make the world what God wants it to be when all of us are gone. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters in Christ, this Jesus calls us to be childlike, to praise Jesus for who he is, 
for the great things that he has done, but to do so knowing that there will be no pomp and celebration until there is justice and kindness and mercy in every corner of the world. Every time I preach this kind of sermon, I remember words that Tom Williamson said to me one Sunday morning. Nations do not and cannot be governed by Christian faith. They are governed by power, politics, authority. This Jesus calls all nations, every nation, every family, every kingdom in this objection. When that world comes, when that moment arrives, you know how you'll re- recognize it? Not by the Cadillac that rolls up, accompanied by the entourage. You will recognize that kingdom by a donkey carrying a savior. Let's pray. For a world that is ever becoming new. For a world that began to be renewed the day the babe was born in Bethlehem. We come today, O Lord, knowing, believing that your glory, our service, and the mercy and love that drench all of your deeds in this world or what this kingdom is all about. And while we now sing a song of woe, O Lord, in the shadowy brokenness of our lives, your word alone nourishes us in spirit and in truth to journey on. And for this we give you thanks and praise, glory, laud, and honor through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Together, let us confess, saying, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Amen.
For your great goodness and love to us in Jesus Christ, we thank you. For the glory that you bring into this world and lives given to service to you and your kingdom, we thank you. On this beautiful celebration of your entrance into Jerusalem, we thank you that you are Lord, not only of our lives, but of all of human life and history. It is in this glorious truth that we rest and come today to worship and to pray. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. As is our custom, I want to give you opportunity to share with me um, items of prayer as we come to, uh, to our work as a congregation of worship in the prayers of God's people. Obviously, I want to say thanks to God and praise God for my new granddaughter. Okay, let's, we'll take care of that, and then we'll move on. Her name is Eleanor. I don't, know when, I don't know what the middle name is yet. I don't think they've decided the middle name, but they do want to name her Eleanor. She was born in my daughter and son-in-law's home, in the bathtub. Mm-hmm. Very humble birth. Came out crying. Uh, slept for, uh, I think she said, uh, 10 or 15 minutes, and then she woke up hungry. So she sounds like a pretty normal little girl. Yes, Tom. King of King, Lord of Lords, in your majesty, in your greatness, and in your humility, we gratefully and humbly recognize you as Lord of this congregation, of our lives, and of our hearts which bring to you this morning the deepest concerns that we have for family and friends. Today we come, O Lord, into your presence bearing these gifts for you to display your great grace and mercy and kindness. For the Perez family, for Connie, for Bonnie, for Paula, for Pat and Bill, for Kathleen's mom. We lift them to you, Lord, asking your healing hand. Touch and sustain them. Bring them peace and a sense of your presence with them in their suffering. We thank you this morning, O Lord, that you have answered our prayers so many times on behalf of those who are ill or sick or diseased. We are grateful for the way you watch over and care for your people. We will be hosts to several families this week through the fish shelter. And we ask, Lord Jesus, that you make us mindful that in our service to them, in our sharing our lives with them, we are, in fact, as you spoke to us, serving you and sharing our lives with you. It was you who told us that in feeding the, poor, the hungry, caring for the poor, giving shelter to the homeless, to bringing healing to the wounded, 
we do all these things unto you. As a congregation, we pray this morning, O Lord, for your guidance and direction, thanking you for the leadership of our consistory, for all of our volunteers, not only those who came out this past week to clean for spring, but the volunteers who sustain everything that happens in the course of every day and week. We thank you for the sacrifice and the commitment. We are grateful, Lord, for the opportunity to be your people in this place at this time with all of the resources that you have given to us. We are grateful, O Lord. We're grateful for the history and the heritage that we have been given, but the hope that we have for a future in which you are Lord, in which you are governing the life of your church in such a way that the needs of your people and the needs of our broken world can be met. And the shalom and the wholeness of God can be brought to bear on all of human society. We know that this is your will because you taught us to pray, boldly saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. As we come to the conclusion of the service today, I want to uh, simply invite you at the conclusion of the service to come forward and take palms from the vases on the communion table. Uh, Take them home with you. Uh, Place them behind frames or wherever you like to place them. Make them into a cross if you like. Uh, Keep them. And next year, come the beginning of Lent, you can bring them back. We'll burn them and have ashes for Ash Wednesday. That's the ecological cycle of the Christian year. Okay? I don't believe we have any other special announcements except to say welcome to all of you who are visiting with us this morning. And please stay and join us for coffee in the, in the parlor. We would love to get to know you better and spend some time just chatting and catching up with each other. Let's now turn to hymn number 88, All Glory, Laud, and Honor.